Hi, Eric Bailey alongside Eli Letterman. It's postseason playtime, Eli. It's bowl season. It's December. The bowl podcast. It's another podcast. You know, it's funny because we didn't know where we'd be this time of year. If you would have told me before the season six and six, the cheese it bowl, uh, disappointment. I think that would have been my first thought. And I think that's how everyone feels right now. I mean, but there's still one game left to play. Yeah, we're uh, we're not probably where I think just about anybody thought we'd be this time of year, but we're headed to Orlando to the Cheez-It Bowl. I, I, this is going to be unpopular. I'm not a big Cheez-It fan. Not my thing. Otherwise, I'd have had a box here with me. We really could have done some prop comedy, but uh, Cheez-It Bowl, it's, it's kind of it's relatively, especially the last, you know, back into the last decade and the last few years, unfamiliar territory for OU to have been kind of even just having the name kicked around, you know, whether it was going to be the Liberty Bowl or Guaranteed Rate or, or ultimately now the Cheez-It Bowl. This isn't really a, it's not territory that, that the Sooners have, have hung around a whole lot. And I'll be interested as it relates to, to the fans and, and people showing up. I mean, is a trip to Orlando intriguing this time of year or? Is this the year you take off if you're an OU fan because you've been to all these New Year's Six games, all these big bowl games? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of be curious to, to take the, the temperature of the fan base at some point. It's only the third time since 2012 that Oklahoma has not played in a New Year's Six bowl game. Uh, and in 2014, they played in what was known as the Russell Athletic Bowl against Clemson, lost 40 to 6. And then, of course, last year got the win over Oregon in the Alamo Bowl. So you're right. Kind of curious what the fan base will be like. Uh, Florida State will have a lot of fans there. I mean, that's it's going to be a home field advantage for the for the Seminoles. This is their first bowl game under Mike Norvell. It's Mike Norvell's third season at Florida State. So I, I think just getting back to postseason is a big deal for this program. And I think the opponent as well. Even though Oklahoma is just 6-6 six and six this year, it's still a name opponent. I think that there will be a lot of Florida State fans there. Uh, middle of the holiday week, uh, there's a lot already in, the, in, in, in Orlando. So I think it's going to be like a road game for the Sooners. And, and it, not only is it going to be a road game, it's going to be against a pretty tough opponent. Yeah, I mean, we can dive into all this. But just Florida State's last seven games, one score loss to ranked NC State, a one score loss to ranked Clemson, and then five straight wins all of which they've scored 38-plus points. And we can we can start to dive into it. This offense that Florida State presents, I mean, they're 13th in the nation in, in total offense. And we've seen this OU defense all year. They've struggled with the run. They've struggled giving up big plays. They've struggled allowing points. And this Florida State offense, at least is currently constituted, we should probably put an asterisk on everything this time of year for transfer portal. As long as the, the Florida State offensive line doesn't all walk out tomorrow and, and the quarterback goes with them, they have an offense that I think is built to exploit a lot of what o OU has already struggled with this year defensively. Um, so it's it's not going to be an, a simple matchup. And, and defensively, the same with Florida State. They they present challenges. So no cakewalk for, for OU. They didn't quite get that, you know, I don't know, maybe one of the arm. Uh, they didn't get that bowl game against a soft opponent. They're getting a ranked team. And I think, I think the name OU, you, you said it, that name is going to get people excited. It also probably got them to a bowl game where, you know, they're not playing another six and six, seven and five team. They're getting a, a ranked opponent that's playing some of the best football in college football right now. And that's how the bowl games work at this time of year. Um, Oklahoma, the Big 12 had bowl tie-ins with after the Sugar Bowl and, of course, the New Year's Six uh, or the college football playoff semifinal game, including TCU. The Alamo Bowl had the first pick followed by 
the Cheez-It Bowl. So the Cheez-It Bowl had the second pick of all the bowl-eligible teams after Kansas State and TCU. Uh, the Alamo Bowl went with Texas, which is understandable. Texas, you know, it's it's a home the home state team, and plus Oklahoma was in the Alamo Bowl last year, uh, which allowed Oklahoma on the table. And while some of these teams like Texas Tech, uh, you know, beaten Oklahoma in the regular season, Oklahoma's name brand is what got them the number two pick and an attractive matchup, like you said, Florida State. Uh, Eli, you mentioned portal. Uh, we're going to see a lot of people missing, as expected this time of year. I think it's something that's the new normal in college football. I think there's 10 or 11 players on this Oklahoma roster that ha have already entered the portal. We're, we're, brought, we're taping this on Monday, the first day the portal opens up. So uh, can you break down a little bit about this portal movement that we got going on right now. Yeah, well, this time of year, it's portal movement. It's bowl opt-outs, and that adds to that list of guys that we won't see next month. I mean, just as it relates to the bowl game, we know that Anton Harrison, Wanye Morris, Eric Gray, and Jalen Redmond, three not just starters, but secure starters. I mean, Eric Gray was probably one of the most important guys on the team all year, and Anton Harrison and Wanye Morris not far behind them. They've already announced their plans to go to the to be playing uh, in the Senior Bowl and, and not to be playing in this bowl game. And Brent Venables essentially confirmed yesterday that Jalen Redmond would be also in that group. So you're down a few starters. And then as you look at the portal, it's really only Theo Weiss, uh, the wide receiver, who had his best game, college game of his career at Texas Tech uh, on the final night of the regular season. But that wasn't enough to, to keep him in Norman. And at, at the end of the year, I think probably a lot of people, Theo included, expected he'd have a bigger role. But it is a, it's a growing list. I mean, the, the defensive back depth has taken a hit. Um, Jordan Mukes, Josh Eaton, Kendall Dennis are, are not guys who played a ton and who are cracking into that regular rotation but you know we saw this year just how important linebacking depth would have been for the Sooners they didn't have it uh the defensive backs take a hit and then Eric I think the one maybe you, you've got the most insight on is Nick Evers uh the four-star quarterback who we saw very little of this year uh maybe predictably he hit the portal over the weekend uh, as we know we've got Jackson Arnold coming to Norman yeah, Nick Evers, he was – I just wish we had a chance to see his full potential. I know at the media availabilities, we'd go on Monday night. We'd often see Jackson – or excuse me, got thinking Jackson. <laughs> we'd often see Nick Evers working out. I mean, with Jaden Gibson, wide receiver, they'd be doing extra throws after practice. We saw that a lot. He, he was one player I really wish we had a chance to see, especially when you look back at it, maybe at the Texas game, just get him out there and play him a little more. He really didn't get a chance to get his reps – uh, I don't think we ever really got to saw see his full potential. And I will say this, what a neat family, too. Just an outstanding family. You wish the best for him. There's a spot out there somewhere for him where he's going to get playing time, and I think he's going to make plays. And as an Oklahoma fan knows, as, as Oklahoma fans know, I mean, all you have to do is look at players like Tanner Mordecai, who went down to SMU from OU and just had a dynamic career at SMU. Look at Chandler Morris. He went to TCU, was pegged to be the starter. Uh, got hurt, but he was going to have his opportunity to play elsewhere, too. Uh, you even go back as far as Austin Kendall, who had starting uh, snaps at West Virginia. So I think these some of these quarterbacks that leave Oklahoma, that enter the portal, there's opportunities out there. And I really think they'll be somewhere out there for a player like Nick Evers. So uh, yeah. we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with the, with the portal going on. There's going to be a lot more movement as well. well. One more note, you know, Nick Evers, this time last year, he was the ninth ranked quarterback in the class of 2022 and a four-star recruit who had plenty of interest from a lot of schools. So the fact is that he, he still is that, you know, very much so. I think someone that will get chased and probably, you know, a school can look at and say he could be the quarterback, not just maybe not next year, but down the road. He's got all that el eligibility. And I, I do think it is a shame. Maybe this was inevitable, but the fact that we never quite saw him 
get to flash it. That Texas game, he really only came in at the end, and that was a day, as we'll recall, they ran a lot of Wildcat. They ran a lot with Davis Bevel, but we never really got to see Nick Evers do it. Um, and I think that will be a disappointment, a disappointment, especially if, you know, he follows in the Tanner, Tanner Mordecai mold. As far as incomings, we've already got two with, with OU. They've got Jacob Lacey, the Notre Dame uh, defensive lineman, and Kendall Dolby from NEO within the state. And I think we're going to see more. I certainly will see more. I think that's that's the nature of December and January now in college football is mass outgoings and you've got to have incomings there. And, and the Sooners have, have needs to address really all over. I mean, Eric, if you look at the depth chart, is there anywhere you, you would highlight is, is where the Sooners might look? Yeah, Other portal, than everywhere, maybe? Portal-wise, you hit the nail on the head. Portal, it's everywhere. It's across the board. I think I think they really need help with that tight end position. I think you're going to really need someone. We saw what Braden Willis could do at that spot. It'd be good if you could get another dynamic tight end in there. Uh, defensive line, uh, with uh, just get some experience on that line. We really didn't see them make the impact that a lot of people expected under Brent Venables. Uh, maybe some additions in, in the secondary. I think, again, you, you just go across the board. And the good thing about the portal is you have game tape on a lot of these players and you know what they can do on the field. So Brent Venables can look at a player that he's been in the fire. He knows how to handle himself. But what also we've learned with Brent Venables too, it's not only on the field, it's off the field. You know, Brent Venables has mentioned this as well. He said, you know, there's a reason why he's leaving. Why is he leaving? And he wants to know as much about these players as he can. So, uh, but I really think tight end, uh, you know, running back maybe with Eric Gray leaving, we'll see about that. Just, just experience. I think that's the key. There's a lot of good young talent talent in that room, but maybe you just need that experienced player, kind of similar to what Eric Gray was in bringing just some veteran leadership to that room. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you look at the offensive line, too, and the Sooners can get online with just about every other school in the country. Everyone's trying to find quality offensive linemen this time of year and in the portal, but you lose Anton Harrison and Wanya Morris, and off the bat, you've got spots to fill, and and I know they like their depth there at, at on the O-line this year, but those weren't guys we saw a lot of. So I'd imagine they'll look there. You know, you mentioned tight ends. Former Sooner, Austin Stogner, hit the portal this morning. And you at least beckons the question, you know, could there be a reunion there um, and and what that could look like? He would fit that mold, I think, to a degree and and fill a place of need, both with experience and talent. Um, but they're, they're certainly going to have to bolster, I think, a lot of places. And you should probably look at their record from last year. I mean, this staff came in. And had a lot of adding to do, and I would probably I'd wager to guess a lot of maybe throwing more darts at the wall and just seeing what would stick. But you had hits, I would say, in, in Dylan Gabriel and C.J. Colden. Um, further down, you know, Jonah Lulu and Jeffrey Johnson were, were contributors, uh, and then there were other guys who, who came in. And at least in 2022, you might look at J.J. Hester, L.V. Bunkley, Shelton, yeah. Kenai Walker, uh, transfers who didn't have the shot to make that immediate impact. So that, I guess, maybe a slightly mixed record, certainly some hits from last year, but you'd think now this staff is, is operating from more of a place of, of a foundation having already been set and, and where are they going to add and how are they going to do it? I think is, is not only going to be fascinating, but as we know, I mean, that, that could set the foundation for, for what we're talking about this time next year. Part of that foundation is going through high schools too. I mean, that's the thing you got to develop a program and set a base and, and, you know, it's easy to get that quick fix and try to find those those uh, experienced players to come in through the portal. But you still need those recruits. And I think that's what we're going to see in the next two weeks. We're seeing uh, social media pictures of the coaches everywhere across the country looking looking at players. Um, Jackson Arnold today from Rivals got his fifth star. He's a five-star quarterback. So Oklahoma is once again going to have a five-star quarterback in a recruiting class. And I think that's huge. And 
down at Den Geyer, they're playing some serious football down there. They're still in the state playoffs. Uh, and uh, he's really, I've been getting a chance to watch some of his games. I've just been impressed with this is not just his arm, but his legs. He makes things happen. He can be that playmaker that the Sooners need at that quarterback position. So it's going to be exciting to see him in the future. Uh, another Denton Geyer guy, everyone's keeping an eye on, Peyton Bowen, the Notre Dame commit. I think it's one of those things where is he going to flip to Oklahoma? There's a lot of indications that he would. And Eli, you talked a little bit about that secondary. You know, they lose a lot in the portal. But, man, what would it mean to this defense to add just a talented uh, player like that and really set the foundation for the future in the in the secondary uh that would probably be priority number one in terms of if you want to look at the flip department flip, uh, you know 1a might be david hicks who we were talking about in october as a uh choosing between ou and a&m and he, he opted for a&m then but you know he's, he was still in town for for bedlam um he's been on campus it's he's still linked it might, similar to peyton bowen it's it's we don't know all the machinations but I think until signing day and until those papers are signed, they're going to be the two whose names are really flying around, you know, th that OU orbit. Uh, and, and as important as those guys could be, I think, you know, these next few weeks are important for, for Brent Venables and the staff of hanging on to the class. And right now they're, they're ranked seventh, according to 247 Sports in the national rankings. And that is in due part because they've got some really uh, intriguing recruits and prospects and guys who are still certainly, if, if OU is still contacting, high-level prospects who are committed elsewhere. You best bet that the high-level prospects OU is committed to them. They're also getting contacted. And so holding on to that class, getting to December 21st with, with the guys you have and, and maybe adding a few more names. I mean, there's others they've been linked with, uh, you know, beyond David Hicks and, and Peyton Bowen. It's it's bolstering this group and, and making the most, I think, of this. This is a critical next month. Portal, signing class, and even those 15 practices. We, we're going to talk a whole lot more about the bowl game and there might be folks who just say, you know, six and six, she's a bull. Let's look to next year already. These 15 practices might be far more valuable as far as the Sooners in 2023 than than whatever the outcome is in, in Orlando on December 29th. And Brent Venables mentioned that during his teleconference uh, or his Zoom call yesterday for the bowl. He said that it's almost like another spring for a lot of these players. 15 workouts, it's another spring for those younger players to come out and make a name for themselves. And they'll take a good look at some of these younger players, get them reps, and I think that's important too. Um, and, and you mentioned the, the signing class overall. I mean, this is still a – that's the incredible thing. This is a six and six football team, but with a top 10 signing class. I mean, that's that's what the hard thing is. It, it's hard to, to, to swallow that record. But then again, you're excited if you're an Oklahoma fan because you see the future is bright because of the talent they're bringing in. So I think that's a big deal as well. So but we'll talk a lot more in the bowl about the bowl in coming weeks. But I think just as we get down uh, December 21st, you mentioned the date. We're, we're two weeks from Wednesday from when this next class is coming into, into, into effect. And it's going to be interesting to watch the rundown to that day. And certainly, I mean, we're plugging for the, for the two of us, Eric. I know we've got a bowl game to focus on, but a lot of our attention these next couple of weeks will be on the recruiting end making some trips, writing some stories, getting getting stuff out there, but we've already collected. And I, again, I, we, it's almost, you know, split focus. O, OU football that has a bowl game to play and, and then the OU football that has a recruiting class to secure. And and I, again, we're, we're talking about the future and the Brent Venables era and the SEC and all that. If you want to look at what's really going to matter um, for, for this program going forward, it is this signing class. And you and I will have uh, a whole lot of that coverage coming up these next couple of weeks. Let's move to basketball. Uh, Sooners uh, coming off a, a week, uh, 
just a tough game up in Philadelphia, Villanova over the weekend. Just you get a chance to talk to Porter Moser a little bit a little bit later today. They got Kansas City in town tomorrow. Just what's going on with the men's program right now? Yeah, well, I mean, that was it was kind of what uh, Porter Moser predicted, I guess. I mean, that was a a Villanova team that's off to its worst start in like 31 years and was stumbling and had really like bad in some of its games. And Porter Moser last week that said, well, they're, they're still Villanova. We know who we're going to play. We're going to Philadelphia to play a championship caliber program with a championship culture, all those things, championship level players. And that bared out over the weekend, a two and five Villanova team. Uh, it was a, it was a good game. And, you know, OU will have, you know, on their resume, what you might look at as a good loss down the road to a, a perennial powerhouse. But uh, at the same time, by the same virtue, also a missed opportunity to get another road win. It would have been seven straight. Um, they'd gotten two votes in last week's AP poll. We'll, we'll see this week, but that would have bolstered them. Um, but but of interest with the Sooners, I mean, six and two, they host UMKC tomorrow night before a big one with Arkansas in Tulsa uh, over the weekend. I mean, if you want to talk about barometer and, uh, you know, see where this team is at, play Arkansas in a, in a raucous neutral site that, I mean, I, I might wager has more Arkansas fans in it than than OU fans on Saturday, but the net ratings came out this morning, the first ones of the year, and OU came in 46. That's certainly bolstered by their uh, overall, that that six-game streak they had, and that's six among Big 12 programs. But I think the most interesting thing was this season started with a, a nightmare, upset, shocker, stunner loss to Sam Houston, a Sam Houston team that beforehand Porter Moser was very complimentary of, and, and they played some good basketball. Right now, they're seventh in the nation in net rating, and it's early in the year. <laughs> Who knows what's weighing that scale and all that. But worth noting that that nightmare loss uh, doesn't look so bad right now, at least according to the net ratings. But as you pointed out to me when we were talking about before, Eric, would also look really dang good if, if OU could have closed that one out. And I'm sure they're, they'll still be kicking themselves on that one, but it may not hurt them as much as you'd think come March. Uh, and as far as, as far as the OU women, Eric? Uh, seven and one big win over Ole Miss uh, yesterday on Sunday, 69-59. Uh, one of the best offenses in Oklahoma against one of the toughest defenses in Ole Miss. And it, it kind of went the way you thought it would. Oklahoma ended the game with a 15-3 run. Uh, Sooners found a way to play without Taylor Robertson making three. She only had one three. Uh, you know, you go back to Skylar Van and Matt, Maddie Williams. I mean, there's some players making some big shots. And this is a team that's uh, – I'll be interested more to see how they do once uh, once conference play plays. This Big 12 conference is going to be tough again. And I just want to see how this team goes. They're, they're getting – they're building a good, solid foundation for what's going to happen in league play. They get some time off. They play Robert Morris on Sunday, and it's the only game during a 13-day stretch. Uh, of course, OU has finals, so we'll see Oklahoma, the men's team, also take a break for finals week. Uh, but for uh, for Oklahoma, it's a chance to kind of kind of rest up, recover a little bit from the first eight games, nine games, and and prepare for that stretch run during the holiday season. So hard to believe we're talking basketball. It's December. It's going to be conference basketball. Yeah, we're going to be talking conference basketball soon. You mentioned Arkansas last year. Oklahoma won by uh, almost 20 points last year uh, in the BOK Center. And Eli, there were a lot more Arkansas fans than Oklahoma fans in that arena. And I think it, it's going to be the same way, I think, this weekend. But the atmosphere is incredible. That's the thing you'll enjoy the most. Well, you mentioned that kind of run into the holidays and finals and all that, and then ultimately conference play. For OU, it's – or for the men, excuse me. It's it's UMKC tomorrow night, Tuesday. Uh, Arkansas over the weekend. Central Arkansas next Saturday. And then Saturday after that, trip to Florida. And then they open up Big 12 play on December 31st with the Texas team that sits second in the country right now. And that's going to be – 
quite the start in conference play. I, I believe as things stand, let me check on this. I mean, their first three of their first four conference games are, are against ranked opponents in the first week and a half of January. The one that isn't is Texas Tech. I don't think that'll be an easy one either. <laughs> uh, so they're jumping into that gauntlet. Now on the women's side, I I don't want to put you on the spot, but Taylor Roberts, Robertson, where in terms of record books, three-pointers, where are we at right now? Still, I think around 15 to 20 away. I don't know the number right in front of, I have in front of me, but she's from becoming the all-time NCAA three-point uh, leader. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Uh, crazy thing is she has 39 games where she's hit five or more threes in a game, uh, which tied an NCAA record. The next one she ties, next time she does it, it'll set a record. So mm-hmm. uh, so it proves that she she's capable of going off at any time. So it could be soon. It could be later. I don't know. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Just an outstanding shooter. It's one of those things, Oklahoma fans, you won't realize what you had until she's gone. So uh, this is her final season. If you're an Oklahoma fan, you probably want to get out and watch her play a couple of times before. So. All right. Well, Eli, I think that's that's good for now. Of course, we'll, we'll be talking a lot more recruiting, a lot more bowl uh, game prep coming up in the next couple of weeks. But uh, it's hard to believe uh, we're, we're wrapping up this football season, but we're already looking at 2023 with recruits. Never quite ends. We'll be we'll be on all of it. <laughs> so thanks for uh, thanks for watching everyone out there. Google, Spotify, uh, iTunes, wherever you whatever platform you get your podcast. We'll have this on our website as well as all our coverage on TulsaWorld.com. Uh, stay with us. We got a lot coming up, and uh, Eli and I will be there for the rest of the the month, anxiously writing about everything. <laughs>